Benedictine monk, Father Ed Leahy, runs a school called St. Benedict's in Newark, New Jersey. The story you are about to hear is absolutely going to blow your mind, and you will be overjoyed at the love and the hope and the whimsy that's happening at this school in Newark, New Jersey. I'm Ashton Gustafson, and this is Let the Music Play. The past is the past, yeah. and we don't have tomorrow. Yeah. There's no guarantee of tomorrow, so that our, our response needs to be now, because, because many of us, adults included, we like to put it off, right? Hi guys, and welcome back to another episode of Let the Music Play podcast. This is where we talk about what it looks like, what it feels like, and what it means to make music with our lives, our relationships, and our careers. I don't know if I've been this excited in a long time to introduce you to a guest. Um, A couple of weeks ago, I'm watching 60 Minutes on my home sofa, and I was absolutely humbled, in awe, and just loved the story that 60 Minutes did and unfolded of a place in Newark, New Jersey called St. Benedict's. And and the individual there that has revolutionized and really resurrected the whole school has been Father Ed Leahy. And we have on our show today Father Ed Leahy. He's taken time to chat with us, and I'm so excited to introduce you to him and the story of St. Benedict's. Father Leahy, thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, I'm happy to be here and, and uh, to be with you, Ashton. Well, I'll tell you what, um, you know, I, in watching the story of, of St. Benedict's and, and what you've done there, uh, and I'm sure your team that you've assembled, it's just unbelievable. And, and I, it is a true story of resurrection, which I just love. Um, and I love the hope and the beauty and the joy that you're putting into so many students' lives that, that had you not been there, they may have never had anything like this. For, for our listeners today, um, can you give us a brief overview kind of of your storyline at St. Benedict's and even back to kind of what happened in 1967 where everything really shifted and, and fast forward us to today? I know that's a lot of you know, terrain to cover in a short amount of time. Um, but for those that maybe have no idea about St. Benedict's and, and what's gone on there, could you share a little bit of that? Sure. I'm um, happy to, and uh, I'll try to put it in a, in a nutshell. My own experience here is I got sent here by my father well, in 1959. Uh, I told him that I didn't know where it was. He said, well, you get on the train here, and when you get to Newark, get off, and you find it. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I found it, and I never left. Uh, wow. wow. Uh, a little bit of an interesting twist about how God works in uh, in our histories. I was not um, accepted by, when I applied. Wow. I was a terrible test taker. And someone had to intervene for me. The pastor of my church intervened to get me in. Of course, in God's sense of humor, the joke was that uh, uh, some of the people that didn't accept me wound up eventually working for me. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> Uh, that's uh, that's that's how things like that uh, seem to uh, to play out. So I uh, I graduate in 1963. I have a desire to enter the monastery, which I do in 1965. I professed a monk in 1966, and in 1967, I'm living in a house that we had created about 22 miles west of here, and uh, the city explodes in the in the revolution, the riots, the uprising. I mean, mm-hmm. history is characterizing it right now and important in American history in a variety of ways. And um, I wound up having the opportunity to move back here in 1969 
but post post riots, um, students from the suburbs were leaving the school, so the number of students dropped precipitously. Mm-hmm. And in 1972, uh, because of, of a lack of faith, in my in my opinion, uh, of those of us in the monastery, the school wound up wound up closing. Well, uh, and 14 members of our monastery left and went to this monastery that was further west, uh, 22 miles west that I had been at when I originally entered. And um, so we were sitting here with no work and 14 less brothers in our community. And we tried to figure out what we were what we were going to do to try to uh, to try to, to to keep ourselves together in this life, yeah. and also to be able to be of service to uh, to town. So uh, we talked about it and talked about it and talked about it, and finally got to a point where we said, "Listen, what the city needs, what we're best equipped to do, is to try to is to try to to do some educational ventures." So we began 13 months later with a very small effort with ninth to 11th graders and about 89 students. And uh, it was never our intention, Ashton, to reopen St. Benedict's Trap, interestingly enough. No. Uh, that was that was never that was never our intention. Uh, so we, we tried to we change the logo, change the stationery, tried to play off of the St. Benedict's name, but it wasn't St. Benedict's. And then one night at a parents' meeting, um, uh, one of the parents said to me, uh, I have to ask you a question, Father. And I said, what's that? He said, how come it was good enough to be St. Benedict's Prep when it was all of you, meaning meaning white, and uh, now that it's all of us, it can't be St. Benedict's Prep anymore. Wow. So I looked at him, I said, Mr. Lamb, that's a great question. The next morning, it was St. Benedict's Prep. So wow. the reopening, so to speak, of St. Benedict's Prep was actually done by Carl Lamb Sr., an African-American gentleman, the father of uh, one of our students at the time. Mm. So we learned from that that the best thing to do in order to be of service to people, is to take the cotton out of your ears and stick it in your mouth, you know? <laughs> just to, just to, if you shut up and you listen, people will teach you how you can best be of, of help and of service to them. Wow. And that's, that kind of began this this exodus story that's gone on until here I am sitting talking to you. And uh, little by little, we keep adding here and twisting there and turning things around here. And uh, uh, because as as time changes, circumstances change, and so you have to you have to adapt the way you are trying to be of service uh, to uh, to people. But always the underlying theme is uh, that of uh, of service. Yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, it it seems to me like you are living proof that if you want to change the world, start by changing your block. You know, um, and and you've done an amazing job of that. Um, and correct me if I'm wrong, that the majority of your students are from the inner city? Uh, yeah, that would, yes. Uh, inner, understanding inner city, I mean, you, you, it's very difficult to tell the difference here in metropolitan area. Gotcha. Going from one town to the next, but, but they all, the core around Newark all have essentially the same uh, difficulties, the same sufferings, the same challenges. Right. But yes, most of them are from inner city. Right, right. So, so you have a body of students coming to St. Benedict's, uh, you're using words like suffering, challenging, um, probably lacking opportunity outside of the walls. They come inside the walls to St. Benedict's. And in one of your interviews, I saw that you were quoted that your hope is to create holy ground for the students with inside the walls of St. Benedict's. Um, how can you, can you riff on that? Explain that a little bit to us. Yeah. So, um, that, that uh, in a city that, that struggles, uh, most of our cities in this country right now are uh, 
are struggling horribly, I think, that, that uh, what we try to do, and we're right in the middle of the city, if you were going to draw a circle around Newark, you'd probably put the compass point on our roof, hmm. um, is to mark out the space. We have a fence around our property. It's not to keep monks in or to keep other people out. It's just to mark off a piece of the city that's uh, where, where things that go on there are different. Right. And, uh, um, so it's holy ground in that sense, similar to, to uh, Moses, when he was attracted by the, uh, the the bush that was on fire but wasn't consumed. Right? Yeah. As he got close, the, the voice came, said, take off your sandals for, your, for the ground on which you stand is holy ground. Yes. So to try to create a mentality where we're taking off our shoes every day when we come here, right? Because wow. we're on, we're on uh, holy ground, and therefore what goes on here is not what, the, hopefully, what not goes on, does not go on out in the world. So right. that if we want to, we want to ring bells in the middle of the night, we do that. If we want to bow to each other, which we do, uh, as we leave our morning meeting at school, mm. uh, the kids bow to each other, well, we do that. That doesn't happen a lot on Broad Market Street here in Newark, you know? Right, uh, right. Out of respect, out of respect for one another, and out of respect, out of a, an acknowledgement that, that the divine, that the divine is present in each of us. Yes. Let's go. That is good. Uh, that, that is what I, I mean. I, I can, I, I almost sense that even at the soul level, you are reshaping these students by by introducing those types of practices and awareness that that they've never had. Um, yeah, it's it's. Um, uh, one of the I mean, there's no reason. Let me put it this way: the reason for our existence here is not to teach English and history and math. It's to it's to get people. The fundamental questions of human life, it seems to me, are: Who am I? Mm-hmm. What's the meaning of my life? Mm-hmm. And then, what's the meaning of my life in front of the fact that I'm going to die? Mm-hmm. That that's what's supposed to inform uh, who we are now. We many times we spend a lot of our life denying the fact that we're going to die, right? Right. Um, we used to have a faculty member here, and in faculty meetings, he would say, in order to emphasize a point, he'd say, "Well, if I if I die," and people would look at him and say, "What do you mean if?" <laughs> so uh, right. um, that realization. So we're here. We're here to create a sign uh, to the city of of community, of faith. Then the way you communicate faith is to show signs of faith, which are, which are communion, yeah. love of one another as we are, and you and uh, communion and love. Yes. So that in this community there are Christ, mostly Christians, uh, but Buddhists, Jews, uh, uh, Muslims, Hindus, hmm. all somehow teenagers. Recreating with each other, studying with each other, uh, arguing with each other, praying with each other, and most of the world right now we're killing each other yeah. over the same things. Right. So we try to be a sign. Right. Then we're also not bad at teaching English and calculus and physics and chemistry, but it's not the principal reason why we exist. Yes. Wow. Man, so so good. So at Saint Benedict's. You've played a role in allowing things to be a little flipped upside down. So these are students coming from no control, uh, and you give them control. You also 
I, in one of your interviews, you mentioned nothing's locked. There are there are no locks. There's not a lock on your office. There's not a lock on lockers. Um, and the students, f- for the most part, run so much of the school. Now, from the outside looking in, I would think a lot of people, especially people that are involved in schooling, would say this is very chaotic. But th- the paradox here is you have allowed this to actually foster a great deal of order and structure. Um, so help help me walk with that. How has saying, hey, here's here's control and nothing's going to be locked, how has that atmosphere of, of trust and leadership actually brought not chaos but order? Yeah, so if, if uh, in a community where where people feel like nobody pays attention to their voice, I, I believe and believed early on that it's very important that they have a voice, that the kids, that the kids, the people of color have a voice. And uh, remember, we've been at this now this way for 44 years. So that the, that the, that the Latin immigration uh, to this part of the United States here in New Jersey happened after we already had begun. So mm-hmm. most of our experience early on was with African-Americans, even the, even the more recent Immigration from from uh, West Africa at first right. hadn't begun until sometime to the mid to the late '80s. We were already at it for ten years by the time that happened. Wow. Um, and uh, and the African American population here has been has been poorly treated for for generations. So I just felt it was important that that um, that they have a say in how things happen operate. Yeah. Now I couldn't have. I couldn't in a million years figure out exactly how that should happen. <laughs> but I knew that was my idea, and I had people around me uh, who could put it in a system so that it would work. So, you know, they say, uh, Ashton, in order to be a leader, you don't have to be the smartest person. Right. You just have to be smart enough to get <laughs> very smart people around you. That's right. <laughs> and I have that, um, and I've had it for 44 years so that... Um, Early on, a couple of uh, the monks were able to say, "This is how that could work. This idea that you have, this is how it could work." And they could pl- plan it. So we 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 created this structure within the school that gives these kids leadership opportunities and therefore a, a significant voice. And uh, how does that work? What does it look like? I can tell you. Yesterday, I was walking through our our gym where we have our morning meeting, where the whole school meets. This was in the afternoon after school, and. Every uh, uh, member, so therefore everybody from 10th grade up, uh, was present in the gym after school. I had no idea why. I found out why because I asked. But uh, the senior group leader wanted everybody back because the cafeteria was left in a mess after lunch. Hmm. So so everybody was back. That's the point. I didn't even know what was happening because (laughs) I don't run it that way. The senior group leader is responsible for running it. And uh, when I when I inquired, I got the response, but I didn't even stay in the cafeteria. I just kept on moving because yeah. I had something I had to do, and the kids were dealing with it. So uh, now they have available to them coaches, right? I mean, you it's like any team. A team doesn't coach itself. Right. So they have adults available to them to uh, to help them if they need to ask questions. And I would say probably the only real hard rule that we have is that if you're going to, if you're a student leader, if you're going to uh, make a decision without adult advice, you had better be right. <laughs> because in the end, your parents 
or somebody else is not going to come after the 17 or 18-year-old senior group leader. They're going to come after me. That's right. <laughs> so if I get hung out without having a chance to participate in the horrible decision, that's a big problem. Yeah. Wow. But um, if you want to make it without adults or life, go ahead. You can do it, but you better knock the ball out of the park <laughs> if you do that. Man, so, so inspiring just just uh, to hear that story and that scenario and that example. I love that. Um, you, you, so you mentioned this morning morning meeting, and uh, it sounds to me like this sets the tone for the day um, for what goes on at St. Benedict's. There's music, there's prayer, there's fellowship, there's uh, affirmations. We'll get into those here in a minute. Something very special happens in this morning meeting. Can you can you kind of share with us what goes on there? Yeah, sure. I... I um... We did this, we've done this since, since day one, back in 1973, and um, I believe it's the most important thing we do all day. Wow. So um, over the course of time, over the 44 years that I've been doing this, as pressures begin to, uh, to come on schedule, and we, we, you know the faculty or kids want to do this, want to do that, frequently it would come up and they would say, well, maybe we can have convocation only three times a week. No, no, no. The one thing that's non-negotiable in this operation, as long as I'm running it, is convocation, the morning meeting. Wow. Got to happen. Um, so it's an opportunity. We do everything in that context, face-to-face. So there's no loudspeakers in the school. There's no announcements made over a microphone. Everything's done face-to-face. And how many kids are in that room, in the gym? Well, 550 kids plus probably, I don't know, Four, 35 or 40 faculty. No microphone. There's a, there's a microphone in the room, but there's no microphone with a speaker coming out of the wall like you see in a lot of schools. Right. So somebody's sitting in a central office speaking through a speaker gotcha. all over the building. Gotcha. Yeah, we yeah. don't do that. Well, wow. Everything is done face-to-face. Wow. Love it. And um, so, it's number one, we do attendance mm-hmm. there. So everyone can hear who's not present. Wow. And then as a result of that, somebody else in the room will say he's taking his driver's test or he's over, he's, he had a problem, his grandmother's sick in the hospital. We can get information on why someone's not in school. Wow. And, and then track it down if we need to. And it's a problem if we don't know that answer. That's a big problem. If the, if the group leader doesn't know where his guys are, that's a big problem. Wow. Wow. But now it's a lot easier than it was back then because now with cell phones, mm-hmm. the kids, the kids, if somebody's got hung up on the bus, the bus is running late or something. The, the student who's stuck on the bus will text his group leader and say, "Listen, the bus is late. I'm on my way." Yeah. So yeah. when he does his attendance report, he can say he'll call the student's name and they'll say he's stuck on the bus. He's on his way. He'll be here in five minutes. Wow. Now our job as adults is to make sure that the bus is really stuck. Right. <laughs> 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 right. Oh my so goodness. Lots of guys have played the hook on school with given what seemed to be legitimate excuses. So we yep. follow up on all of that. I got a feeling that uh, they're not getting away with it. Uh, no, no, not too often. Once no. in a while they may, they may slip it, but uh, yeah. not too often. So, and then we play. We play together every day. Yeah. And yeah. then we can celebrate um, accomplishments and uh, we can uh, suffer the, the desolations that come with life, you know, uh, mm. as well, all together. Mm. Man, I, I just, I, I want to experience this one day. You ever let outsiders in? Everybody, <laughs> because, oh, yeah, anybody. Because anybody I, who needs a boost, 
Yeah. Anybody I'm... who needs a boost can come. They stop by. We have we have people, parents of former students, all of a sudden they'll show up. You know, wow. what happened? I just needed a boost today. Yeah. Golly. It's so beautiful. So um, there's music, there's prayer, there's fellowship, there's affirmations. There's a it, this is there's a school affirmation, or you guys have, have kind of created this. And on the 60 Minutes episode, 500 kids are, are screaming this from, from the top of their lungs. You can be any good thing you want to be. Go and conquer. Right. How, how long have you guys been saying that? That's a much longer affirmation. Is actually much longer than that. Oh, it is. Wow. But, but sixty minutes was careful about when they where they edited. Gotcha. So I, I'll give you an example. The 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 song that the kids were singing uh, that said, "I always wanted me a hero. Now I have got me a hero." Yeah. They cut it there because the next line is, "Thank you, Jesus." I'll be darn. Love it. See, uh, hmm. so this affirmation is, um, begins with, I am somebody, somebody great, because Jesus died for me. Wow. And then it goes on, eventually getting to, you can be any good thing you want to be in life. Go and conquer. But wow. There's a part of it in there that says, um, I don't know about you, but I'm going to enjoy my day, because this is the day that the Lord has made. Hmm. Let us go and rejo- let us be glad and rejoice in it. You go and conquer. Wow. So they, they edited the piece. They took wow. out, they made it look one size fits all, right? They took out the whole references to God. Yeah. Wow. You know, one of the things we chat about a lot here at this podcast is about how our shame and guilt pulls us into the past and our anxiety of tomorrow pulls us into the future. Um, but it sounds like the heartbeat of, of these songs and affirmations are carpe diem today, in the moment. This is the day the Lord has made now. You can, what you want to be, you can be right now. Is that your hope? Yes. I mean, because we don't have, we don't, the past is the past. Yeah. And we don't have tomorrow. Yeah. There's no guarantee of tomorrow, so that our, our response needs to be now. Because, because many of us, adults included, we like to put it off, right? Mm-hmm. Well, I'll take seriously. I'll take. Remember where I started. What, who am I? What's the meaning of my life? What's the meaning of my life before my in front of my death? Yeah. And, but we tend to deny death. Therefore, I have time. Right? I can do that later. Or, or faith is something for adults. Or faith is something for older adults or for my grandmother. But to tr- to try to always remind ourselves that this is the day that we have to respond today. Wow. wow. So, so good. I'm loving this. The uh, the school motto, whatever hurts my brother hurts me. Mm-hmm. Um, how how have you seen that play out? I mean, I'm sure you, you have a vault of stories. Um, uh, how have you seen that shift, especially in a student that shows up and thinks everyone's out to hurt him or be after him? Yeah, um... Well, I've seen it play out in, in, in actual fact. And for example, the ninth graders have to all backpack the Appalachian Trail in New Jersey. Right, yeah. Well, so somebody's walking the Appalachian Trail and begins to have real difficulty and uh, winds up, because of his difficulty, slowing down the group or, or, or distracting the group or whatever. So that, uh, and that, let's say that the problem is because He's having. He's actually not in good enough shape, but he's having trouble carrying the pack. I've seen. I've seen one guy carry two packs. Wow. Down the trail. 
um, I've seen I've seen guys. Well, you saw it on uh, 60 Minutes, Debbie, on not letting be, uh, Ben quit. That's right. Yeah. It, it, it was actually funny. The, the kid was it was a great line. I think um, uh, Scott Pelley almost uh, lost it when he said, "Come on, this is 60 Minutes. You can't quit on the camera." <laughs> That's right. It was, a, it was a great line. But so I've seen that. To uh, I've we run we run self help groups uh, here. Uh, mm-hmm. Around the various various uh, areas that our kids struggle with, I've seen kids bring a, a, a really su- suffering and struggling uh, uh, friend to the meeting. Wow! You need to come with me to this meeting. Um, that's a note. Whenever it hurts my brother, hurts me, right? So they're gonna they're gonna bring him yeah. to a place where he can get help. I've seen I've seen anonymous notes left on people's desks saying, "You better get a hold of somebody because he's really going down a road that he shouldn't be going down." Hmm. Um, so a lot of that kind of thing happens uh, here on a, on a regular basis, and 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 uh, pretty frequently. You know what I mean? Yeah. When when kids get in trouble, other kids will will reach out and, and, uh, and try to find a way to help them. So that, and then if there's if there are significant, I mean, real heartrending uh, disasters in a kid's life, somebody a parent dies or something, then we respond to that. We go to them. Yeah. Man, I, the whole school. I mean, I don't mean, I don't mean, I don't mean three guys going to represent the school. We all we pack buses and we go. Wow. <laughs> Gosh. I so inspiring. I'm I'm I don't even have language for some of this. It's so beautiful. Um, so help me through the affordability and tuition. Most of these students there are, or a lot of them are scholarshiped. Are they not? Yeah, the, the ship, most of the. Of the 500, let's say 40 some students in the school, um, 15% of them are paying the, uh, the the stated tuition, which is this year $12,500. Wow. That tuition is a discounted tuition, right? Because it's actually costing us around 17,000 to teach a kid. Wow. So uh, only 15% are paying the 12,5. So 80, 85% are receiving further financial aid. Um, to the tune of of uh, three three point two million dollars, probably. And so, and, and who's covering this gap? Yeah, we. That, that's a good question. The um, the uh, the alumni, the business community, the philanthropic community. Yeah. Help us. We couldn't exist. The business plan, Ashton. The business plan makes no sense. It's it, right. worse than no sense. It's actually stupid when you put <laughs> any business person looks at it. It's going to say, you've got to be kidding. Oh. But, the, but the, the fact is, it's no dumber today than it was 44 years ago, and I'm still sitting here talking to you about right. it. Right, right. So that it's a, it's a, a mission yes. way beyond us yep. that, that, that somehow through us the mystery of God works mm. uh, and accomplishes things that, that, that look like they're impossible, right? Mm-hmm. That, that, but somebody once said, "All things are possible for God." Yeah. So that um, that's what happens. So we have to we have to raise about six and a half million dollars to make the place work each year. Wow. Wow. That's the bad news. The good news is when we add it up on June thirtieth every year. Yeah. We, so far, we've done it. It's there. the The mystery yeah, the mystery comes through. <laughs> that's it. Oh my goodness. Um, wow. So. 
a lot of your students there, uh, one of the things I think you were quoted in the story was saying how much um, work goes into students overcoming their quote-unquote emotional noise. Yep. Um, and, and you even said getting them to realize they can be a gift to someone. Now, that, that probably for me was the moment in the story where I was like, I'm picking up the phone and, and calling Ed because I need to talk to this guy. <laughs> um, how, what systems, what uh, processes or programs do you have to um, get through that emotional noise, awaking a young 14 to 18-year-old soul that they are not only should be, that they are meant to be a gift to someone? Um, so the, the principal ones, we, we have a pretty elaborate counseling center that we've, that we've developed here, uh, with a couple of psychologists. And because we have, we're financially strapped, we, we, we're in the midst of the, of the higher education community here in Northern New Jersey. We use several of the universities around us who have doctoral students in psychology, in clinical psychology, in school psychology. Um, and uh, so we have a, a whole group of those who come because they all need to do a certain number of hours as an intern right. in, the, in, the, in the road that leads to the Ph.D. or the PsyD and then eventually to a licensed professional counselor uh, certificate license. Hmm. Um, and those graduate students run various groups every morning, self-help groups. Uh, one is, a, is a, essentially an Alateen group, which is um, kids who are affected by someone that they love substance abuse. Wow. Another group is, uh, is an anger management group. The third group is, um, they call themselves the Blues Boys, I think. Or the, I think that's what they call <laughs> themselves. And they're guys who all suffer from depression. Wow. And then fourth group that call themselves unknown sons who have no idea who their father is oh, or man. may know who their father is, but their father may be incarcerated or uh, their father is absent or their, their father may be present, but, but really kind of inappropriate in his, in his dealings with, the, uh, with his son, hmm. which causes all of these issues yeah. in 14, 15, 16-year-old young men create enormous anger wow. enormous anger wow. um, and unless you you do something to address that anger I believe that you're wasting your time trying to teach English history chemistry because that anger eventually is either going to act out or it's going to get turned in on the person mm. in in self-destructive ways so mm. we see guys who are perfectly capable of doing the work but are failing because they're slowly destroying themselves. It's destroying opportunity. Yeah, until you get over the hurdle of the emotional noise. Yeah, uh, until you get to the point where you realize, wait a second, no matter what you do, the bad news is you can't fix your absent father. You can't fix your overbearing mother. That's the bad news. The good news is there is one person that you can fix. Hmm. That's you. Yeah. So the, you're in control of fixing you. You don't have to. Then other people around you can help. Yeah. But there's no way I can't fix you. Right. I'm useless. I can't yeah. fix you. I can help, but I can't fix you. Yeah. 
So once you get kids to begin to say, see that, and it takes a lot of time, little by little healing starts, because we're only as sick as our secrets, right? Wow. So if you, if you can sit down and begin to talk about it, and you do it in the context of community, because lots of times kids who suffer, anybody, it doesn't have to do with just kids, anybody who suffers these things thinks that they're the only one doing it, nobody will understand them. Right. So just the act of walking into a room and seeing 30 other people sitting in there, and you can say, wow, you too? Wow. There's a there's a, a companionship, an accompaniment that happens in that alone that helps to yeah. uh, to lighten the burden. And then when you begin to talk, um, it, it things begin to change. So I, in fact, um, I think I said to Scott Pelly, I have seen the kids who were dead. Right. Dead. I mean, there's no life in their face. Couldn't smile. I've seen kids who couldn't speak. That who come back to life. True resurrection. Yeah, absolutely. No doubt about it. I tell kids all the time, resurrection is not something that you're just waiting for when you die, hoping that it happens. Right. You can experience resurrection Let's go. Here Let's go. Yes. That allows, you, that allows you to look forward in hope to the resurrection at the end of your life. Mm. Yes. So, and I've seen it. I've absolutely seen it. I've seen kids. Absolutely, they couldn't have played dead in an old western. <laughs> and 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 I've seen them come back to life. Oh my goodness! Wow, that was beautiful. Resurrection. Now the secret for for to think about for people when they're dealing with this is sometimes the difficulties in our schools, especially in urban America. If you have a faculty of any size, the same issues that the kids have, there are members of the faculty that have the same issues. Mm. Interesting. So then the question becomes, did the adults ever deal with those issues? Right. Because if they haven't, then the way they react to the kids is is influenced by that unresolved anger or sadness that's come because of their own experience. Right. Wow. <laughs> that's a whole other step into this. Wow. That's all. Yes, that's correct. <laughs> that's correct. But it, but it's there, and it, and it must be dealt with, and and absolutely. And, and, and most probably, you know, keep the cotton in their ears, as you mentioned. Um, <laughs> uh, goodness gracious, this is wonderful. So, um, the black hoodie. Now, yep. now I know that um, one of the things that's true about uh, uh, the, the Benedictines is that you guys have a black hoodie, do you not? Something Correct. like that? Um, we do. Yeah, so help help our listeners who maybe don't realize what I'm the dots I'm trying to connect here. The monks wear, uh, you know, a, an attire that has a black hood and then, but there are leader student leaders that get a version of this. That's in the form of a black hoodie. Correct. Am, am I, am I phrasing those that correctly? You're correct. Okay. We so, wear, go ahead. Yeah. Well, go ahead. And that's a sign of status and leadership for the student, right? Yes. Okay. I wear a long black robe, with uh, with a hood on it, typical. I mean, people picture monks. They usually picture monks in a long robe with their hood up over their head, right? Right. I mean, so I could put my hood on my head if I was cold enough. Right. But, uh, but I'm not cold right now, so I don't have it on. <laughs> but uh, and therefore, I want I wanted it to be clear that the students that were coming to us were coming to a monastery school, mm-hmm. and um, uh, so we we dress. That way, so that anybody who's new to us, seventh to ninth grade, will dress in khaki pants and a a gray 
you've accomplished certain tasks here, you can become what we call a member, and the members wear black hoods. Gotcha. So kids refer to the older guys as black, uh, the, 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 the black hoods. All gotcha. the time they talk about the black hoods. Now, what it, what it does is transform, because the hood has a significance in urban America with gangs, right? Mm-hmm. Right. So it, it transforms the, 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 the meaning of the hood, the hoodie here, to something positive rather than something that most people associate with negativity. Right. And um, one day, a faculty member said, "These, these, because uh, not everybody agrees with that with that idea here." And uh, but Scott Pelley made it way more difficult for uh, those who disagree to disagree openly. Mm. <laughs> right. Because when he picked up on it, he picked up on exactly what what I was hoping people would pick up on. Yeah. So this faculty member one day was complaining that the hoods, the hoodies were too long. They were coming down to some guy's knees. And I jumped out into the middle of the faculty member and I said, mine come to my ankles. <laughs> yeah, try that on for size. So he, well, the, the argument stopped right, right there. Yeah, But it, it's ways of, gangs use it all the time, right? Ways yeah. of establishing position, establishing certain things that have been accomplished in order to get it. And you have to earn that hood. Yep. So it's 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 become um, uh, symbolic for us in that way. And you can only be in one gang. Ours. That's that, correct. And that's yours. That's it. Yep. No others. Wow. And okay, so um, uh, you know they mentioned about how successful the sports programs are. I mean, you guys have you know basketball teams that are ranked top in the country. You've got uh, swimming. You've got I think polo. Soccer, maybe. I mean, everything that that's done really well. But you've said, "Hey, that's not going to be the spotlight here." Um, and and it seems to me like maybe if if I'm reading this correctly, and please correct me if I'm wrong. For you, it goes, "We're going to deal with the soul, and then we're going to deal with the mind, and then if we've got time, we can chat about sports." Um, it, it, is that a little bit of the mentality there at St. Benedict's? Yeah, that's certainly a little bit of it. Yeah, it's clear that what we're interested in is, is, is the person's spirit, their yep. soul. Yep. And um, it's hard to have a school of uh, all young men without without paying serious attention to activities beyond the classroom. Yeah. So they're very important to us. Yep. Uh, our athletic programs, our, our drama, uh, our newspapers, all those kind of activities that, that take up kids' time that also keep them here beyond the normal school day. And um, so that, and I don't want to have teams that go out and get their, and get their brains beat in by other people. You know what I mean? I want to be able to compete on a level that makes these kids feel good about themselves. Yes. So that's why we're as good as we are in most of our teams. But we actually have more professionals in the theater around this country and around the world, actually then all of our athletic teams combined have professionals. Wow. So we have, we have guys who play in the NBA. We have guys who play in professional soccer leagues around the world. But we have more people in theaters around the world than all of those guys combined. Wow. Both on the tech side and on the acting side of the theater. And, um, so that's a, the activities are, I don't want to minimize them. They're, they're essential to what we do, especially yeah. in the school of all boys. Um, but the soul, the, your spirit and your soul is, is is tended to all the time, and they all work together every day in the operation of the place. Yeah. Wow, that's awesome. Um, so I I have a theme that I've gathered from from you and just kind of watching the story and in interviews that I've seen uh, of you, your life, your role, 
um, for, for, for the last 50 years, and maybe it's been longer than that. Um, but I, I truly think if I could say, what's the theme that, that Father Ed Leahy brings to the world? It's love your neighbor. Um, and that's what I've seen in you. That's what I see in your leadership. Uh, and that means a lot of things. There's, there's accountability in that love. There's joy in that love. There's discipline in that love. Um, would you say that that's the heart and soul of who you want these students to become when they leave St. Benedict's? Uh, yes, I think it's the essential task of a Christian is love of the other, the way the other is, love of the other in the dimension of the cross, right? That, that's the point. In other wow. words, even being willing to suffer for the sake of the other. Wow. That's, that's kind of what, and that's difficult for any of us uh, to do, to accept the other the way the other is. We always want to tinker with the other. We always want to fix the other. Yeah, not judge, not critique. Correct. Yeah. Accept the other the way the other is, whether whether that's the, the, the teacher who's an absolute pain in your neck, hmm. or whether that's uh, the guy sitting next to you that you can't stand for one reason or another. But the goal of, of our lives is acceptance of the other the way the other is. Why? Because the Lord did that for us all the way to the cross. So it's a, it's a, it's a love of the other in the dimension of the cross. Right. Wow. Wow. So inspiring. Um, here at our podcast, we have the metaphor of music, and we define the music that we're talking about here um, as the experience that is heard, felt, and seen and the story that unfolds when one's divine identity, core consciousness, and God giftings come together, come alive, and crescendo in the universe we exist in. Now, that's a big, big thought, a big, big idea. Um, but when, when it's all said and done, what do you want your music to be or to have been? When, when it's all, what is that legacy that you want your, your music to be? I think that uh, there's a, there's a, I'm a, I'm a, where are you, can I ask you a question, what, where, where in the country are you from? Yep, I'm from uh, just north of Dallas. So I'm a flat and scrubs fan. Very flat, yeah. I'm a, I'm a Bill Monroe fan, you know, and the bluegrass music. Yeah, there you go. And um, there's a song that just eight more miles to Louis, to Louisville comes into my view. Okay. Uh, and uh, that's kind of that's kind of focused on the on the on the kingdom of God, yeah. always and moving day by day forward. With the the the, the, the music of, of our life here and my life is the music of accompaniment wow. of young people through this part of their life, so that it's it's not it's not judging other it's it's walking with others through these teenage years and uh, uh, always keeping the kingdom of God in, in waiting for it to come into clearer and clearer and clearer view as we get older. Huh? Yeah. Now I'm not 15, so it's hard to, it's hard for a 15 year old to do that, but the, you have to, I, I believe that you have to, uh, if you listen to lots of music, the, the same, same theme begins to repeat itself in the yeah. music as it goes on. Right. So I think that, you have to you have to teach that way by saying the same things over and over and over again. You have to 
somebody once told me I have to teach like a grandmother. <laughs> Just keep saying the same things over and over so that when the kids get older, it, it, they, they can reach back and it starts to play again in yeah. their mind. They say, ah, now I know what he was talking about. Yeah. Um, so this, this musical accompaniment huh, that, uh, that leads kids to adulthood, but ultimately leads them to the embrace of, uh, of uh, the mystery of God. That's mm. why, that's why you, I, I, I think the best way to describe it is even the kids who come from uh, non-Christian religions, we're, we're all somehow climbing the mountain of faith, but just from different sides that lead us at the apex, at the summit of the mountain, into God's embrace. Wow. I think that's, uh, that's, that's my hope. Wow. Accompaniment on the way to mystery. That's yeah. correct. Wow. Well, let me just say that uh, you, you are doing that. You, the, the story that you are writing and authoring uh, and your team in the, in, the, in the lives of so many of these students uh, truly um, is shifting the world today, and, and I believe that it is eternally echoing um, and will continue to do so forever. Th- thank you. I mean, you've, from however many miles away, you have inspired me. Uh, I know that this story is going to inspire so many of our listeners, and I can't wait to come in one day and experience the energy in that place. Well, I, I look forward to the day when you can visit and uh, you can meet the, meet the guys that make the story happen every day, the kids. That's beautiful. Well, I will definitely do so. Well, um, thank you so much for joining us. I know that uh, it's a lot to keep a school in between the lines, especially in the month of April. And uh, <laughs> so uh, for you taking time to chat with us, it means the world. Um, how can we find out more about St. Benedict's and uh, support what you guys are doing? So anybody who wants to find out more can go to our uh, our website. It's uh, S B is in boy, P is in Peter, dot O-R-G. Gotcha. And uh, you can uh, come to see us anytime you happen to be in the New York metropolitan area. You don't need an inv- invitation any further than this one that I'm giving you. Wow. And uh, just knock on the door and come on in. <laughs> Wonderful. Well, again, thank you so much. Uh, thank you for what you're putting into the world. Uh, it is it is music indeed. And um, I know that... Um, uh, heaven stands in ovation for what you guys are doing, and and don't stop. Don't whatever you do, don't stop. And I know you will. You keep praying, and we'll keep working. <laughs> you you can guarantee that. All right, Father Leahy, thank you so much. Thanks, Ashton. Okay, you got it. I hope you enjoyed this conversation with Father Leahy today as much as I did. As always, if you did enjoy this episode, please be, remember to share it with those you love and those you lead. You can find it again as always at ashtongustafson.com or in iTunes by searching Ashton Gustafson or Let the Music Play. And as you approach this week, remember to pause by the orchid, listen to the bluebirds sing, and be loved.